You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. Mike check, Mike check. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today, we're talking with a guy who I absolutely love checking in with. And I'll be honest with you, I don't check in with him enough. Um, He is a dad, just like myself. And the kids are roughly the same age, give or take. Uh, He's in a whole bunch of activities, which makes hunting time a little less every single year. But the the guy's a grinder. And I kind of wish I was like this guy. Uh, Lucas Psycho, he's been on the podcast several times. He had success early season. And why I want to be like him is the dude just, I think he just kind of gets it. And I don't know if I, there's times where I don't necessarily get it. And so this guy just knows when to get into the woods. He knows where to be at certain times. And some of these things can be taught in life, but then there's other times where I just don't think you can teach some of these skills or learn some of these skills. It, it's just like, I don't know, some kind of inner inner force, let's just call it like Star Wars, that you, you either have or you don't. And this dude definitely has it. And I love having Lucas come on the show. And that is what we're going to talk about today. He found some early season success. We're going to break down that hunt. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the the father uh, side of things that keeps him out of the woods, but he, you know, like when he goes in to attack, it's, uh, like really high odds in his favor. And he, he puts those odds in his favor 
because of scouting, historical information, and uh, trail camera data, and just like tons of information. So uh, that's what uh, we're going to be talking about today. I on the just got back from hunting a brand new farm for the first time, and I'll be honest with you, I got lucky. It uh, turned out to be a really good farm. There's a lot of good deer on it. There's a lot of deer period on it. But here's the problem. The problem is I think there's too many deer and it is a, how do I put this? It is an island property, meaning I do not have access to uh, on any of the other properties around it, meaning I can't get access to this property except from one gate crossing. That's it. It's in one gate crossing in the southeast corner of this property and that is the only place that I can cross to get into this property. And I walk into this farm and immediately there's deer already on their feet. And it's 2.30 in the, uh, it's 2.30, 3 o'clock. And deer are already on their feet just kind of browsing. That tells me the deer are comfortable on this piece. The trail cameras tell me that there's good deer on this property. And it's just a matter of time until I get, you know, get, get get in there, locate something good, put a move on it. But I have to do that now with all of these other eyes on me. And so I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I know exactly how the deer are moving through this property because I don't, it's a brand new farm. But what I can tell you is that, uh, I'm, I went and hunted it. I know there's good deer there. I actually jumped a giant walking in on the very first hunt. I was heading, uh, trying to get into the timber. I didn't make it. I walked through like this very bottom of a CRP field and there he was just bedded down in some really tall grass. And I jumped him up at about 20 yards. I tried to pull the bump and dump where I sat over top of his bed. I was 25 yards away from his bed. Perfect shooting lane. Uh, the next morning he did not come back. So there's that. Um, so the, the goal is I'm going to let the bucks get a little dumber uh, I'm going to get the, the do, let the does get the scent in the air, let them kind of get into the, the breeding season or into the, the deer, like the bucks on their feet time, time frame. And then I'm going to go back probably late October, maybe depending on what time I get back from South Dakota or what my trail cameras are showing me, I, I might not even hunt until after Halloween and then I'll go and I'll, I'll hit that farm pretty hard. The best part about all this is, is that um, I'm just leaving it alone more than it's already been left alone. I've popped in there. I checked my cameras. I got the information that I needed. I kind of know a little bit about where certain bucks are running, and that's going to uh, allow me to get in there and uh, um, like maybe triangulate some of their positions. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And other than that, I think we're good to go for this episode, man. I really appreciate everybody taking time out of their day to listen. If you get the opportunity, please go and leave the Nine Finger Chronicles, the Sportsman's Empire on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. It really helps me get the word out about this podcast. And if you really like it, please go leave a review uh, on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Five stars would be awesome. And then uh, if you're looking for a saddle, check out Tethered. Tethered has a a lineup of saddles, um, climbing sticks. I had full intentions of getting in a saddle this weekend, 
but I had two uh, tree stands up and I've been practicing out of my saddle and I feel very confident in it, but I wanted to get some permanent stands up in what looked like historical, uh, like, like really good terrain features that I, I, you know, in certain wind direction would be locked tight. And so I got those in. Uh, and so I'll probably, the next time I'm in a tree, it'll be a, with a saddle. So saddle hunting in, uh, uh, at this new farm, I think is really going to, uh, allow me to be flexible and get in light and, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, tethered saddles, climbing sticks, saddle climbing accessories, and then on their, on their YouTube channel, just a ton of information. So, uh, go check out tethered uh, saddles, wasp archery, you know, again, Metallica playing in the background. Absolutely love those heads. I got them dialed in. I'm ready for South Dakota. I'm feeling confident in my shot. And I can't wait to put a jackhammer through a, a mule deer, man. That's, that is my absolute goal. The best design paired with the best materials is going to get you a very durable, high-functioning broadhead that does absolute damage when it hits its target. And that's why I love Wasp because they are, uh, I'm confident in their equipment. And discount code here for them is NFC20 for 20% off. Next hunt stand and hunt stand actually has just updated their platform and they added what i think is called their whitetail um their whitetail upgrade and that is uh, let me see, let me pull it up real quick it's their pro whitetail and uh it has a little bit of forecasting in uh in with that and so there is that we have the the pro whitetail package we have hunt stands uh, uh new maps and and um uh like a rut map they have the whitetail habitat map that's been uploaded they have a crop history layer which is actually really good if you're going into a scenario where the maybe the satellite imagery is hard to read if it's just grass or crops or something like that so that would help and uh so go check out huntstand.com read up on all the functionality that these guys offer uh so huntstand and then vortex optics vortex optics if you're looking for a badass optic whether it's a rangefinder binoculars uh spotting scope red dot rifle scope these guys have absolute amazing products but on top of that again the people are absolutely amazing the customer service at this company is absolutely amazing and you top that with their vip warranty and the vip warranty is you break it destroy it you send it in they fix it for free they send it back to you and that's the vip warranty and that tells me right there they want lifelong customers and so uh that's how companies succeed with like with life with lifelong customers. So go check out vortexoptics.com. And now let's get into today's podcast with a true whitetail slayer, Lucas Psycho. Three, two, one. All right. Uh, all the way from North Dakota, my whitetail brother, Lucas Psycho, man. What's up? Oh, just enjoying a, 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 a real good Vikings win this afternoon. Yeah, you uh, you're uh, you're a Vikings fan, huh? 
sadly, yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I watch, uh, I, I don't watch much pro ball, but I am an avid Iowa Hawkeyes fan, and uh, we are horrible this year. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, yeah, it's uh, watching watching the sports sometimes. Uh, it can be pretty 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 uh, devastating here yeah. and there. Yeah, at least at least I know that when I fail or when whitetail when hunting lets me down, it's my own fault. You know what I mean? <laughs> and not like a shitty play calling by the offensive coordinator. <laughs> I know it's pretty silly. Uh, yeah, it's pretty silly. You get so excited or like worked up over this stuff, but yeah, I don't know. That's a fact. I don't know. I try to all the time relax like nobody even knows you nobody Nobody cares right right um let me let me ask you this before we started recording um you mentioned uh, we we kind of caught up a little bit and you mentioned that uh, similar to me full-blown activity mode with the kids what like how how many how many kids remind everybody how many kids you have and like all the activities Oh, I've got three kids. Uh, I got I got two girls and a boy. The oldest daughter's thirteen. Uh, middle middle child, uh, she's ten, and and then uh, my son's just turned eight. And uh, we got volleyball with both of the girls right now going on. Uh, our 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 youngest daughter just finished volleyball. Yeah. Uh, and her still do still going. And then we just I just wrapped up coaching my son's flight football team yesterday. And that was a heartbreaking loss. Yeah, uh, we he scored he scored the go ahead two point co- conversion to go up twenty to nineteen, and then they literally scored on a last second play from to run the length of the field. To oh, beat us. dang, <laughs> dang! It, uh, but I'll tell but you this, it's, it's, dude. Nothing, yeah. nothing. I I don't I don't like I love watching my kids play sports and and activities. I don't know what it is, but like. I'll give up October hunting for uh, to go watch my boys play football or, or soccer. Oh yeah, it's it, it's the, the it's funny how the priorities change. Yeah, you look exactly. At, uh, yeah, as as of as of growing up, getting older, and seeing seeing guys that were used to be diehard hunters, or at least you know that's what you'd see. They were just always out. All of a sudden, it starts to fade out a little bit, and then you're like, huh. I don't know. I'm never going to do that. I'm always going to go every waking second I have. Right. And then all of a sudden your priorities just change. You just like, no, I got. I'm going to go. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. I'm going to go do this instead. Yeah. Watch my kids do this at whatever. And yeah, I, I agree. It's just, it's just, it's 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 more awesome definitely yeah. to be that stuff and see them. Yeah. See them enjoying it. So I got a nine-year-old daughter, and you mentioned thirteen. I do. I I feel like we need to catch up more. Because every time I talk, your family just seems way older than it should be. And so now you have an official teenager in the house. It, talk to me about that because everybody said, you know, like, watch out when a girl, like a girl, you know, what, you know, I don't know how, how to explain it. Like you got a girl, she's a teenager <laughs> and you know how boys are when they're teenagers. Right. So it's like, what's, what's going through your head when, now that you have this, this teenage daughter at home. Well, first of all, you remember exactly how you were at a thirteen-year-old boy, right? Yeah, right. And that's the comes to mind is like she's surrounded by those monsters every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what we are. We're, de- we're at that age. We're just monsters. We're just, yeah. just we don't even know how to control ourselves. No, you know, 
No. And uh, so, but I, I we're lucky. I, you know, I don't want to jinx it or whatever. You know, and knock on wood here. But she's uh, our daughter is is she's she's amazing. She's I don't I don't have anything that uh, I don't see any major issues right now at this point. And and right now she's just more focused on sports and she thinks boys are silly and now i know there's somebody out there going yeah that's what i thought too man that's what i thought too <laughs> right. and then my, my be different right uh, but so i don't know she, she's got a pretty good head on her shoulders i trust her she's she's cool and and uh she's normally in a great 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 uh mindset and yeah. uh, and just her attitude's great so that's a win that's a win <laughs> Like, yeah. uh, that, yeah. that, 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 like being a father of a daughter, I don't know. I think, I think it's God's way or, or the planet's way or whatever, whatever a guy believes, right. It, it's a way of telling you how to think differently because with my two boys, I can still be a, a rough and tough man and be like, ah, you know, you know sh- shut up and sit down and get up and, and, you know, like do that. And they don't care. But if I if I talk that way to my daughter, then yeah. it's an emotional breakdown, and I am Mister Evil for the next forty eight hours. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like that with with my with my middle child Willow, but the oldest Cadence, she's she's kind of she's like a she's girl dad all the way, right? Like I, we we I can be rough with her and, and and harsh on her and whatever, and she just takes it and she's like has no issues, right? Yeah. And then. Uh, on the same way but willow she's she's more on more just, you know, on the girly side and, and stuff and someday she might hear this and be like just mad but yeah. it's true you know yeah. all a little different but yeah that's but. a fact well early season this year you got it done and what that makes it what two or three years in a row you pulled off the the early season kill well this so it was two years in a row now yeah. i've killed on on uh my wife and i's anniversary the morning of our, our, our wedding anniversary, actually. So it was year 10 last year and then year 11 this year. And it was the morning hunt of each day. So it was a year to the day. It was, a, you know, a double anniversary kill and, and both, you know, being married for 10 and 11 years. So it's pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, I'll, a, I'll be okay with it. It continues. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Kill a buck in the morning and take her out for the anniversary dinner at night. Huh? Yeah, that was a wild day actually because we we uh and, you know it was kind of what we did last year, but this year we had two volleyball tournaments going on, flag football going on, plus I, I killed that deer that morning, and so the whole goal was to get out there, have a quick hunt, get out of the tree stand, make it up to my uh, daughter's first volleyball game at eight thirty in the morning, and then kind of just be crazy hectic the rest of the day with other volleyball games and play football coach and play we had it all kind of planned out it's just run here run there yeah but uh we fit it all in yeah (laughs) i i uh, i I was dadding it to the max that day for sure that's awesome you know that's awesome all right so there's a lot of things that impact the areas that you hunt you know just from talking to you over the years and i kind of want to get um get your thoughts about that but leading into the season talking about the summer time frame before the season uh even started 
what was your your season looking like? What did you have laid out? I mean, did you have any return customers or or any big deer that you located and you're like, hey, I'm going after them? Yeah, I mean, really, I I didn't I didn't have a hell of a lot of time to get get a lot of scouting in actually, and uh, I glassed up I glassed up this this buck and two other bucks. Um, it would have been late. It would right before we lost it last year and I, and I probably knew like they, these deer these deer had made it in this area and so i knew i wanted to be looking for these these three particular bucks and the one that i shot would have been the biggest of the three but i knew that this year they'd all three be for sure shooters and uh so i i got i, I got a glimpse of them all running off the field like a, a month before season at least i thought for sure they were you know those three bucks um and uh and then ended up getting a you know trail trail cam pictures of, of of them leading up to season and and then as soon as season started then I kind of really started to figure out their travel path their travel corridors through there and it was that they were all in kind of different spots that was kind of what was weird uh, going moving through the timber is a huge block of timber and uh, I found a spot where this buck was I, I got him slipping basically he he was he was he was making a a lazy trip across. Uh, like uh, a little bit of a, a high spot on a, a waterway that was dry to get back to some some willows and a really thick thick willow patch where he was he was bedding along the river and uh, so I, I put put a camera on that crossing there and and uh, historically it's always been been a really good spot to at least get some inventory because a lot of animals cross it for moose to you know coyotes and, and and turkeys and everything they just all use that and uh got a, got a couple pictures of them and it was game on from there it was play it patient and just kind of wait yeah goal so, was to get them with my son you know in yeah. the tree but yeah so you mentioned this dry waterway right so in the past um in, in the other conversations that that uh that you have you hunt along a, a main river that runs through uh, the Missouri River, runs through North Dakota, and uh, in the past, it has impacted some of the, the hunting decisions all the way up to using a boat to access um, some of the, the uh, you know, the, the locations that you hunt. Did, what was the water scenario? Did you have any high water that you had to fight getting in or out of there, or was it just a real dry summer for you guys? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, it, it 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 dried up real fast, you know. In spring spring we had a fairly decent, you know, uh amount of water, but it uh the the rip, the water level as soon as they started to drop here towards the end of the summer, I mean, they tapered fast. And uh so by by hunting season it was river river levels were way down. And so well, the positive side to that um is a lot of these waterways that fill up with water with high water um they start to dry up some they don't really ever get dry a lot of them they just get kind of you know six to six to six inches to a foot of water or 
or so, and uh, then there leaves a lot of mud on the edges, so you can see a lot of tracks along everything, and yeah. it's pretty easy to, you know, the tracks don't lie. I mean, right. if, I, if there's one thing that I, I, I'd probably, you know, I, I use more than anything, it's just a track, you know? Uh, so I can identify a really big buck track pretty easily now, and, and so when I see that, uh, and it's always, you know, don't believe the one track either. Like I, I used to get fooled by that one track that a, a young buck could, you know, he steps a certain way and it makes a big track. If you always want to look for like four or five, six in a row, you know, and just, yeah. just, just so that you could, it's just a regular normal walk. And it's, that'll tell you it's an actual big body deer and, and a mature buck. And, and so that's, that's what I like to utilize the, the waterways and stuff like that for is just finding their tracks, yeah. you know? Yeah. What do the deer do different um, in low water years like this year versus high water years? Not, not, not an entirely. Too, you know, certain areas I guess get impacted more because uh, the the backup waters, the backup waters that kind of it, it, it's almost um, they're not necessarily channels all the time. Sometimes there just ends up being like kind of like a big lake area yeah. off off of the the river so when those areas fill up a lot there's areas that that pinch down and create real tight funnels along the river so you can you know you can get a lot of deer deer movements just bottleneck them you know coming from the fields and stuff like that and uh, when it's drier it makes things a lot harder because there's so much more ground that they can walk and cover on you know now and and so um when it's wetter it's actually a lot better yeah yeah you know you, you know, it just bottles everything down, and, and you know, way less space for them to roam, and uh, it, and then also accessibility. You can use some of them channels off the river to canoe into. You know, that it saves saves a trip of walk in or whatever, packing a deer out and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, and I'm just thinking out loud here. High water pushes them up, right? Low water lets them get close to the actual river, down in 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 just further away from any type of food source. Uh, if, if, if we're talking about ag fields here, where, yeah. what, like what in this scenario, what were the deer doing as far as the pattern was concerned? They had, uh, these ones were going out to a cornfield and an alfalfa field, uh, an egg field. And then they were, they were, they were, they were cruising back through, uh, some pretty open timber right right off the fields and then uh, and then they would tuck back into some really thick stuff right before they get back to where they cross these water this water channel and uh, and get back into that stuff that you can't hardly see five ten feet in front of your face um, you know that's where they were bedding it's stuff that I mean it's impenetrable you're, you're not gonna get in there yeah. you know um, you know to circle back to what it what other things that can change with those high water low water deals is I've noticed in the last five to six years when the water levels are way low, it seems like deer movement to the fields is a lot less. At least it's a lot less than daylight, daylight hours. Uh, I've seen a lot, I've been paying attention to a lot of these backup channel areas, backup water areas that actually end up getting a lot of good growth of uh, vegetation and the deer there's, there's, there's plants out there. I haven't identified them yet, but, uh, they're, they seem to really graze and, and feed out in those those big open pocket those open areas that it's basically like a field you yeah. know that a lot of these spots looking like you know it's just a field of all kinds of different plants little tiny trees and there's just a lot of browse out there that them deer really love and so I focused 
you know, when the water level is really low, I have quite a few areas that I know I can go and climb a tree and glass a large swath of area, you know, along cattails and, and backup water areas that end up getting dry enough for that vegetation grows. And, you know, actually, you, you actually, you know, one thing I did notice too uh, was uh, like the hunting public guys, you'll see those guys hunting along lakes and stuff like that too. That They're doing that a lot in a lot of them videos. You'll yeah. see them deer grazing lower waterway areas off those big lakes they're hunting yeah and so it was kind of like i was i was seeing that and then i just happened to kept catch a video of theirs and i was like oh yeah look at those deer doing it right there too yeah so it was kind of a cool thing that just kind of like clicked you know um so it's a good thing to keep in mind yeah and so as the water recedes and it's a drier year like it was this year it just creates additional like larger areas of for them to come in and graze in. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's almost like there, there's 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 a lot of areas you could you could hunt timber lines where the main timber is normally right, and then it and it breaks down into willows or grass or you know just grasses and vegetation outside of those timber areas along the river, and you could literally hunt them like like that's an, like 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 it's an alfalfa field yeah. actually. You know, and I started doing that and, uh, and hanging and hanging, hanging some trail cameras, you know, off of that stuff, just kind of pretending that that's just a food source field, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I found that the deer are just basically doing that. They're, they're not, they're not going all the way out to those egg fields early in the year, you know? Yeah. They will, they will, but there's a lot of deer that don't, I don't think. Yeah. So if I, if I was to ask you then, let me see here, um, you you identified a food source are we talking in in these river bottoms that you hunt and and back in these willow thickets are there like the occasional oak tree that drops that um like dries up movement on certain trail cameras for a while or or you know like a, a big oak flat somewhere out there that they do that or is that not a thing where you're at no no we don't we don't have any oaks right here Okay. And on this part, you get further to the eastern part, northern part. There's oaks out that way. There might even be some on the, you know, the, the you know, the, the uh, more southern or eastern part. But um, yeah, this far western side, there's no oaks over here. Um, so there's not a lot of anything like that that changes stuff just dra- dramatically. You know, yeah. when acorn stones fall or something like that. Um, although I, I, I've always wished that that was a thing because it would be kind of neat to be able to, to to figure that out. You know, yeah. and uh, have that as play with anyways but no that that lower water level deal though that that uh it creates a lot of vegetation and browse them deer some deer love it yeah. and i've seen deer that you know loads of deer come out into that stuff and just feed all the way through dark yeah. you know and and then you know go sit that stuff the next morning and there they all are they're still all out there it's like, well they didn't even go to the fields yeah. you know and they stayed half two three miles back and didn't even go to the fields and waste the energy you know yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so when it comes to location now, uh, of you know where these deer were were kind of cruising the egg fields that they were hitting the alfalfa field, uh, and then the the path they were taking to get back into the the bedding and, and that little crossing that you mentioned, are these spots that you've identified throughout the years? I mean, hunting the same locations, uh, scouting previous years, and you're just like, hey. I, I can be busy with uh, 
you know, the family and in the, the activities and things like that, because I know I, I've already identified all of these other locations from previous scouting missions. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's probably, you know, our best advantage, right? Hunting close to home, Yeah. you know, is in, in growing and hunting places you, you grew up hunting is a lot of the, a lot of the deer travel, it, it's, it stayed particularly the same, you know, in a lot of areas. And this one, this one, especially is, is, is it's basically a pretty simple, basic bed to food, you know, travel. And it's just, how do you get, how do you intercept them deer, you know, going from point A to point B. And, and that's been, this has always, always been a, a spot tough, tough to hunt. This was actually, this was actually uh, a little private section that I have access to hunt. And, and uh, it's been one of the hardest pieces to hunt that I have including all of the public everything because it's such a large piece that and, and i'm the only one that bow hunts it that those deer out there they 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 have nothing funneling them anywhere there's yeah. nothing there's no outside, outside pressures of any kind there's nothing so they kind of they kind of are pretty unpredictable and and uh i've struggled hunting it for for years i've been hunting it since high school and i've only killed two deer out of there yeah. and so super tough i actually do better where there's pressure from public because those those deer get pushed back into corners and little little spots that are tight and and a little thicker and and it's less ground to cover i know that they're coming through those areas and all i gotta do is be there at that right time right you know and right. and figuring out that time is is, is a, a little bit easier than figuring out the randomness of a, of a place that is so large that it's it's hard to just you know even get a a, a feel of where they're they're, they're crossing and they're, yeah. they're coming through you know that that is such a great point because I hunted uh, let's see I'm re- we're recording this on a Sunday and Thursday and Friday this past week I I got a new farm that had very I, I mean I'm talking probably zero hunting pressure in two years and so I'm the first hunting pressure mm-hmm. uh, and deer were all over the place. I mean, they were betting in spots that I didn't think deer were going to bet in. They were, and <laughs> yeah. it was because they had yeah. no pressure. And so I'm walking into this property that has limited access to it. And the deer were up on their feet at 2.30 uh, in the afternoon. They were, you know, coming from random locations, which, you know, if I was going to, if I was going to look at a map, right. Or, and say, okay, check out these terrain features. They're going to come from here. And they're going to walk this way to this ag field or this food source or whatever. And they were just kind right. of, they were, they were cresting hills. They were, you know, walking back to the wind. They were doing all of that stuff. And so when, when something like that happens, you're like, this is what unpressured deer do, but it makes it so difficult because they're spread across the entire uh, landscape as opposed to funneled down into only using these specific terrain features. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like, it's, it's as if, if you put a lens over how you look at the land, whether you yeah. look at it as, is this a pressured area? Mm-hmm. And if you throw that lens over it, the, the deer movement and, and bedding areas and all that stuff, if you highlighted it in red on the map, that, that would look completely different from that, from something that's unpressured. Right. You know, and the tough place, the tough thing about this place is, is hunting the, the fields that these deer come into. It, you can't do it because the, there's public roads right out right next to the fields, and any vehicle even co- comes even 
by whatsoever, them deer are just bailing into the brush. Yeah. And a lot of times they're not even in the field till till right at last light anyways. And so, so like, it's not like you can just be like, well, I'll just go hunt the field. You know, that's how you hunt a, a, a you know, a, a private piece or whatever. Yeah. Well, that'd be great, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't even see any deer until it's time to get out of the tree. Right. Or if I do see deer, they're going to be chased off one way or the other by a first vehicle goes by. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very fascinating, man. And that's, that's one thing that, you know, everybody that knows that I have this piece that I can hunt, my buddies and stuff are like, what do you mean? You know, like, how can you not kill a deer? You got that place to, you know, to hunt. I'm like, yeah, have at her, dude. Try yeah. it. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not, it's not easy. It's, 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 it's frustrating because you yeah. can always see quite a few deer. It's just, they come through in such sporadic and, and random areas and, and then just, they'll just bed right off the field sometimes and then come back, you know, to the bedding areas and yeah. it's just strange. You know? Yeah. So what's your idea like as it's time to start getting in the woods and you know that the deer are, it's a low pressure farm and you, like you mentioned, it's the deer are spread out and they move random through this place. How do you access hunting locations knowing that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, this dude, I, I actually have gotten less and less sneaky on this place as, as I get older here. Like just because I, I would go through all the trouble, of, you know, using this boat or whatever, or walking this channel in knee deep water, or putting on waders and crossing this water, or, you know, w- walking long, big circles and stuff like that. And I could, and I, cause I thought that was what was probably causing a lot of the issues of trying to get on these things. And, I've just come to find out, man, it's just, that's just the way they are in there that they're just, there's nothing ever really pushing them to go wherever, you know, they yeah. may have a point A and point B, but they take, you know, every letter of the alphabet trails to get to that, to those spots, you yeah. know, it's like, it's weird. And it's more like point A to point Z, <laughs> you yeah. know, they could take any, any of those pathways. And so like this one this year, I literally drove, I really drove my vehicle all the way back through uh, the, the backfield, which I would normally, normally never drive through the backfield. And, and I knew there was nothing that, uh, eating out of that field anyways, cause they'd already worked it up. And so I just drove it all the way to the very far end. And I, I would have never done that in the past. And I said, the hell with it. I got to get in and out of here quick. So I wanted to be able to get down to my, from my tree and basically beeline to my truck in 10 minutes and then be on the road heading to volleyball. And so this was one of those instances I was like, hell is it? I'm going to try it. I drove yeah. it back there, parked it off the back end of that field, and then I walked up the, the drainage and, uh, uh, you know, 500 yards from my pickup and uh, hopped up in the tree right along that thick stuff. And, you know, then that buck just happened to do what <laughs> what I was hoping he was going to yeah. do, you know. Yeah. The weekend before, I had my son with me, and we, were, we I, the goal was, like I said, I wanted to kill that deer with my son in the tree. He's uh he's been really getting antsy to get out there and uh, he he they came through but we had a we had a bull moose and a cow uh, cow moose they were they were both hanging around our tree all morning long making all kinds of racket and the deer came through but they crossed they actually crossed the water about sixty yards up 
up from us. And uh, I got a glimpse of all three bucks across, and he was one of them. And then they skirted, they skirted just inside the willows about 40 yards from us across the waterway and then headed back to bed. And so um, I thought, well, eventually this, this moose isn't going to be here every time, right? And, and I knew they wanted to use that, 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 that little bit of a land bridge there. And so I just thought, well, if it's, if it's going to be right one of these times, you know, it, I'll just sit it. I almost just go to sit just because it's fun to sit there. You get to see moose and turkeys and deer and coyotes and, and all that stuff. And so um, I never really even get too worried about shooting one down there. It's more or less just to get out and, and you know, be out there a little bit. And uh, But I, I, I had this deer coming through, and, and, and he just – it was a foggy, foggy morning, though. It was – I couldn't see – I bet I couldn't see 50 yards from my tree most of the morning. And, and, uh, and when he popped out, it was, it was just like, it was the only deer I seen and he popped out and he got lazy and he popped out and came right around the, out of the thick stuff, cut the corner of the, of, of the grass, the little grassy field that he, he was going to come across to hit that land bridge. And, and he, uh, stopped at 20 yards, gave me a shot and I, I hit him perfect. And he, he ran off and died about 130 yards out and, yeah. And, uh, and he just kind of faded off into the, into the fog. It was, it was, it was a cool hunt, man. Yeah. It was, it was, it was just one of those perfect mornings. Yeah. That's, uh, th- that brings up an interesting point, right? I always overthink my access routes, right? Like, okay, I gotta, I gotta park here. I gotta walk here. I gotta, you know, I gotta J hook in, I gotta do all these crazy things. And, you know, you're thinking about the wind and, and the terrain and all that shit. And then, um, I notice that when I drive my truck on certain farms, I see more deer and I don't know yeah. if it's because yep. of my access route or it's just, and I did the same thing. It's not, not because I'm lazy, but it's because I wanted to get out of there earlier so I could make it back home in time for something or, you know, get out of there earlier right. or something like that. And so yep. now you're just like, now you're thinking like, does it, does it really matter? I mean, I understand access to your tree stand always matters, but I don't, maybe I don't need to walk a half mile in. Maybe I only need to walk like 200 yards. <laughs> well, yeah. And it, it could be what part of that can you cut out of there? Exactly. Right? It's, it's that driving through and parking part, you know, yeah. um, is there, is, you know, like this place, this place gets a lot of traffic from, from the landowners and, uh, and stuff. And so, and there's oil field traffic right in there, so it's it it makes perfect sense that them deer are perfect they're they're accepting of, mm-hmm. of of vehicle traffic, right? It just makes perfect sense. And uh, um, like you said, it was it was the it was the whole. I wanted to maximize my time in the tree by not having to walk thirty minutes or forty forty minutes, yeah. you know, whatever, out of the tree. I didn't want to spend that time walking out. I wanted to spend that time in the tree as long as I could to hopefully this deer would make it to me before I had to get down. And yeah. he got there 15 minutes before I had to get out of the tree. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it was, it was just like, I literally shot him. He ran off. I saw him basically start to tip over as he rounded a corner and, and as he was fading off into the fog. I literally packed my stuff up and I ran out of there. <laughs> I yeah. ran out of there. Went, you know, I figured I, you know, I didn't for sure see him go down but I was like, he's going to be down. Uh, you know, I'm going to run up, watch that first volleyball game. I'll bring my son down and, and my dad and we'll go and recover the deer. And, uh, and, I, and that's what we did. It, it was, he was right where I was. 
it was like an hour and a half later, you know, it yeah. wasn't even that long either. So, yeah. but, uh, and, uh, that's yeah, awesome. Pretty, pretty like that's a, I, I look at something like that and I go, dude, that's a good day. Right. You slay, oh, you go watch volleyball, cheer your daughter on, you bring your boy and your dad back, you recover a deer, you go back, you, you do flag football. And it's just like everything that you wanted in your life happened in a single day. Oh man, it was max. It was max to the point. It was like, like I said, it was, you know, started out, go shoot deer, yeah. run to the truck, go watch volleyball, grab Lawson and, and dad. We go down and recover the deer. We literally scrambled to take a couple really fast pictures because we had to get back up for the next next game. Throw him in the truck, haul him up to the house. We strung him up in the cooler right away. Haven't even skinned him yet at that point, you know. Yep. Then we start down watching their volleyball game. That game gets gets over. Or, oh no, we had the we had to zip the town. That's right. We had the we had the flag football game next. So yep. we and Lawson head to town. We go we go play flag football, play that, come back hit up another volleyball game. Then I skinned the deer and then watched her, watched my daughter win the championship of their tournament after that. And it was like, come on. <laughs> you couldn't <laughs> ask a for day. a better day. You couldn't ask for one. No, highly efficient too, man. Yeah. Highly efficient. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so this was, this was a deer that you, I mean, you had identified um, the previous year even, right? Yeah. I'd watched this deer. Uh, he'd been around for, I, from what I can remember, about three years I could identify him probably. Okay. I knew I knew he didn't change a whole hell of a lot. He was a stud for the last three seasons, you know. Yep. Even, even prior, so this has been like the fourth season of him having, and this was definitely this was, he finally put the mass on. He 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 always had the nice length and really general, you know, really nice mass, but he he put the mass on. He put a few more inches on length and everything, and he kind of just filled out finally. And, uh, cause he always looked like a gorgeous buck, but I just thought, Oh my God, this deer, he's a younger deer. He, he, he has potential, you know, to just blow up, you know? And, and he just, you know, he, he was, a, he was a smart deer. I hardly ever laid eyes on him in the daylight. Uh, I, I think even through while he was like three, four and five, you know? And, yeah. uh, he was just, he was just a cool deer, cool yeah. deer, especially that. And I tell you, living, living, you know unpressured place and that's how he acted you know it's just yeah Uh, here's here's the cool thing about this picture is you know like some i don't know if you ever get a like you know your buddies send you because you sent me a, a text message with this buck and i looked at the picture and i go like mature like just it's a no doubt mature buck and i love the body on this buck i mean the just the gut on him right just this big fat gut uh on him and yep. uh it just lets you know this this guy has been around a while oh yeah 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 and he just uh he was he was he was a deer that uh just for fun you know my son and i would put these we'd, we'd make mock scrapes along the right right along the fields out there basically and in a little strip of trees and and then you can get we just get such cool uh uh, scrape videos on there and he was just one of them that was just a non-stop in the middle of the night you know you're only putting them there just just to keep track of what's around yeah. and just get cool videos and uh he was just one of those that always put on a show doing doing scrapes and watching him do stuff like that and he's just fun to watch you know yeah and this is one of those things and, and it's like 
you finally take a deer that's been around forever and it's like there's a piece of the place that's missing now yeah. and it's like a, like a right it's like it's like ah oh, i'm really missing seeing that dude around you know like yeah. just kind of one of those things yeah well now there's going to be some kind of power vacuum right so it sounds like you had he was running with two other deer next year yep or you know you're going to try to take uh you know i know you you're probably going to try to get some buddies or your dad or a family involved in, in getting out there and hunting and so all that means is that another one's going to take his place and uh just the cycle continues again right for sure well and that, and that it was confirmed today because an, an old 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 bruiser of a buck showed up there on that land bridge my buddy and i just checked the cameras today and and sure shit here's an old old tanker bruiser just shows up right there and i didn't even know he'd never been there ever i've never seen this deer before nice and just like that just like that you said it a power vacuum boom yep. it's like they it's like they know like ooh, he's out of there i'm moving in yep yep someone <laughs> someone's the winner and someone's the loser and and the loser makes a move and when the, the when the dominant buck is gone man i i i shot a deer Man, I'm trying to think of what year it was. I shot a buck. I pulled him out of there. He was a he was a five year old. And then for the next three days, there were deer all over bucks all over all of my trail cameras, just running around <laughs> deer that I'd never seen before. And I was like, "Gee, many Christmas, what's going on?" And sure enough, that settled down after a little while. But there was like this jockeying for position again. Yep. And and yep. so. Uh, man, that's a real thing. Hundred huh, percent. Yeah, yeah, the king fell, and everybody else was was was, was fighting for his his uh, his seat. Yeah, you that's know? right. That's right. So, um, so now, what does the what does the rest of the season look like for you now that you're that you're tagged or that you shot this buck? So, shortly after that, it was the next week. Uh, it was, that was the next week I took off to Montana. I, I, I got an, I got a combo, a deer elk combo in Montana mm-hmm. and I went elk hunting first. Uh, we got on some elk that first, that first time I went over there, went over there for like four or five days, uh, was unsuccessful. And then I, and then I zipped back out there the following weekend after that for a three day and literally on my morning, on the morning of coming home, this would have been last Sunday. Uh, it would have been the Saturday before I come home. I, I, we were in a we were in a spot, me and my buddy, and I left my headlamp. I have a hundred like a hundred and seventy dollar headlamp, rechargeable headlamp. Yeah. And and I left it at this spot, and so I, it was. But it was on the way home. You know, it was a spot on the way home from where I was staying at my buddy's house. And so I was like, well, shit, I'll just get up early. Uh, I was gonna just head straight home, but I realized I didn't have my headlamp, so I was like, I better get up, go up there, and get that thing. And I got to that spot just as daybreak w- w- was happening, and and I, I almost just ran in there just quickly to get it. It was about three quarters of a mile off the road, and I was like, I better grab my bow. So I grabbed my bow and I grabbed my stuff, and and uh, I, I pretty much trotted in there along this drainage, and got up in there, and I literally creep up over the edge when I'm trying to look for this thing, and I'm looking over a sage flat, and there's there's the bull. The other two bulls and the five to four or five cows that we've been trying to get on and, and get had some close encounters with. Here they are. They're literally coming across that stage flat, and they were kind of angling. And so I had to I had to bail off the backside, go back down in the drainage, and I knew where they were kind of headed. 
it's kind of like a big cliff, uh, rock cliff kind of down into a drainage. And so there was really only a couple spots where they could come down through there and get, get to the other side. And so I ran up to that next one and I got there like literally 10 seconds late, probably. And the big bowl was coming down. I still had a great shot, but like, had I been there 10 seconds earlier, I would have shot him probably before he does what he, what he does. And I literally got there and I, and he's at 30 yards coming down. He went through that first gap on the hillside and I'm, I'm barely just starting to put tension on the bowstring and a drawback. And he like, he, le- he like leapt off of a little ledge that I didn't see that he was coming down and his momentum took him right through the bottom of the, of the drainage, right, right up to the other side. And and literally right through my shooting lane like that. I didn't even expect it to happen. And so, like, as he kind of trotted through, I ran around this this clump of, clump of brush. And and as he heard me kind of trot around, he got out to about 40 yards, and he stopped, and he just stared at me forever through the brush. And we just had to stare down for about freaking five minutes. And he kind of turns and gets nervous and angles away, and I cow call at him, trying to settle him down, at least try to maybe pop out and give me a shot. And as I'm cow calling and watching him, I see out of the corner of my eye, here, here's another elk rack coming over the cliff edge, like looking down in at me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, there's a there's a bull looking at me at like 50 yards, yeah. you know. And I look over and I'm like, oh, God, this guy might just come close enough and turn and give me a shot up, up on top of this little cliff edge. And sure shit, he comes. He gets more curious and more curious. He comes closer and comes closer. And now he's giving, I can see his whole body. And he turns broadside and I draw back and I have to step backwards, get up on a little lump to get above this brush. And I had my, I had my pin set at like, I think at that time at 60. And, and uh, I looked him over and I kind of was thinking like, where, how far is that? It was such a, it was in the moment. I was like, it looks so weird. And I'm like, ah, it's not quite 60. I'll just put it a little bit at his, I'll put it just a little lower, you know? Yeah. And I'll put it at his belly line. And, and so I let her fly and I thought it was, it was sailing true, man. And then he just dropped. I, I didn't, I don't know if I've ever seen an elk drop so quick. Yeah. Like he was on, definitely on, on point. Right. He was, he was, something was going on, but he kind of dropped. And then my arrow just, I, it was definitely shot high too but my arrow just skimmed the top of his back, which I was thankful for. Yeah. You know, I didn't, didn't badge you know, hit him bad, but that was the first elk I've ever shot at, you know? And I'll tell you what, that was a freaking rush, dude. Yeah. <laughs> one of these <laughs> like, days, man, that's my goal. I got to get, I got, I got to get one on the ground too. Oh my God. I was sick though. I was sick, mad, happy. It was, you know, the whole thing <laughs> It was yeah. like, holy shit, did that just happen? And, uh, yeah, so that's how I ended the hunt. And so now I got that still in the back of my mind, like, man, I want that one back. Yeah. Gosh, dang it. Yeah. But, I feel ya. but you so got you, that going, Yeah. you know, uh, and then uh, I got a muzzleloader tag for North state of North Dakota for whitetail. So that's, a, that's a statewide tag. Okay. So that's a, I haven't gotten that one for, I think this would be year 12 of putting in. So it's been a while and um i i it's a fun one to do because it's all iron sights you know and and uh you can have a scope it can be a one power but i just like the iron sights thing um so i'm pretty excited about that it's kind of fun to change it up a little bit yeah so so um and then no no moose though right 
No, so my buddy, my buddy's got a cow moose that I've been helping him with the last couple of days. You know, just trying to help him, help him, help him get one. And 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 we've had some crazy close calls, but he's trying to get it with his bow. And uh, it's our, it's actually rifle season right now, so we've been kind of battling in and out of the rifle hunt, rifle hunters here. And yeah. and so we're gonna night, and hopefully we can get her done. Awesome. Get him, get him a cow. Well, let's get you out there, man, uh, Lucas. It's always a pleasure talking with you. I really appreciate you taking time out of a Sunday to hop on and chat with me. Um, congratulations on another dandy buck. And uh, for uh, for all the listeners out there, real quick, who who may not see the picture, describe him for us. You know what? Let us know what you think he scores potentially, and then what what you think he how old he is. He's a. Uh... He's he's a he's a hell of a solid buck. I mean, dark chocolate rack, man. Yeah. Like, that's probably one of the prettiest racks that, uh, uh, out of a, a buck that I've shot, uh, you know, to date. Actually, those, those those dark chocolate horns, those are always those are always fun to have, you know. And yeah. and, and he's he's probably right in the one sixty range, right yeah. in there, give or take. Yeah. But uh, old old mature deer, and and I mean, you just can't ask for anything better than that. You yeah, know, that's a fact. Up here in North Dakota. Big, yeah. big old fat white and and uh, it's it's the best. That's a fact. That's a fact. Lucas, man, uh, congratulations again and good luck the rest of the season. I appreciate it, Dan. And you know it's always good to good to be on here chatting chatting about bucks. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Lucas for taking time out of his day. Hopefully, the rest of his season uh, just glides like uh, I know it will. The dude's going to lay something else down. Uh, I just have a good feeling. Uh, he's going to help his buddies. That's what he does. And so good luck to him and his crew out there in North Dakota. And huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Hunt Stand, and Vortex. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Last but not least, thank you sons of bitches. You, you crazy assholes <laughs> for taking time out of your day to listen. Please go leave a five-star review. And I wish all of you great luck this this uh, upcoming rut and the rest of October please hit me up a lot of you already have done this but hit me up on Instagram send me some pictures or Facebook send me some pictures of uh, your harvest your your kills your your trophies whatever this year all sizes all age classes all sexes welcome if you like to slam does man dude and fill the freezer send me the picture of your dough I love seeing that stuff so uh Um, I hope all of you guys find success. Last but not least, uh, good vibes. It's all about the good vibes, man. If you put out good vibes in the world, you're going to get them back. And those vibes are going to come with you in the tree stand. And I just have a feeling that you'll find success if you're a positive person and uh, you use your brain. So good vibes in, good vibes out. And of course, wear your safety harness. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.